a special service. It's a wonderful service. Uh, it's our fifth episode in uh, the 2019 Boomerang series. Each summer, we invite uh, women and men who have been a part of a uh, leadership team here at Evergreen and who have gone to other places to serve and make a difference in God's big world uh, to come back and to, to give us an update on some of their story and God's story through them. Uh, this year, we decided that we wanted to have a special treat in the last and final episode uh, of Children's Pastors coming back and uh, sharing with us. Uh, you know, I think... Um, as we celebrate uh, what God has done in people's story, that, uh, that it might be helpful just to take a couple of minutes to talk about why we do this. Because, you know, many people would say, what you do, Evergreen, is just flat out crazy. I mean, you identify potential leaders and you develop them, and then you send them away. I mean, who does that? I mean, isn't that counterintuitive? Don't you want to keep the best? And, and then after you send them away, then you invite them to come back. So why do we identify and develop and send uh, and invite? Well, as a biblically-based, spirit-led church, everything that we do needs to have three elements. It needs to be biblical, so we want to find in the life of Jesus and probably modeled in the life of one of the earliest New Testament churches, the, the behavior and principles we're looking at. Uh, secondly, we, we want to be spirit-led in this thing, so we want to be aware of God's general calling for us as a church. Not every church in our community is called to the same kind of priorities. And then third, we want to be sensitive to the particular callings that people has in an individual life. So just very briefly, let's talk for a moment about that. So how is that biblically based? We should see it in the life of Jesus, and boy, do we ever. In fact, in, uh, if you're taking some notes today, just jot down these references. You can check them out later. But in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, it says, and I quote, Jesus appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. That's like his mission statement right there in terms of leadership development. Notice three verbs. We always look for verbs here at Evergreen. Uh, if you've been around for a while, you know that we are an activator church. Uh, we may not be activists in some sense, but we are an activator church. Every week you leave here with something to do, right? Uh, we're not just conceptual. We don't just feel good. We hope both of those happen. We hope we're smart, we think better, and we feel well. <laughs> but we always have something to do to act. So we look at verbs. And the verbs here are Jesus, first of all, appointed to be with, and to send out. <clears throat> now, Jesus was God, so did God really need a lot of help to do whatever he wanted to do? Probably not. But Jesus, knowing that in his strategy he was going to physically leave earth, needed to reproduce himself. And so we see a multiplication factor from 1 to 12. And Jesus pulled the first 12 in to be with him, and then so that he could send them. Right after the selection of the 12, the multiplication continues to 72. In Luke chapter 10, verse 1, it says, The Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send workers out into the harvest field. And then he said, Go. He didn't even give them time to pray. You know, pray about this while you're going. So the multiplication is from Jesus 1 to 12 to 72, and each of them came, and each of them were sent. And then, of course, in what we often call the Great Commission, which is to the 11 faithful of the 12 at the end, Jesus' final speech to them, and his words generalized to us as a mission statement, he says in Matthew 28, 19, therefore, go and make disciples in all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you, and here's the promise, surely 
I will be with you until the very end of the age. So the commission for all of us is to come and be his disciple and then to go and make disciples of others. It's very clear that Jesus' strategy was to identify, to appoint, to develop, to send, and then to stay in relationship with. We find the same thing modeled in the early church, particularly in the church of Antioch. The city of Antioch was substantially north of Jerusalem, well out of Israeli and Jewish territory. It was a cosmopolitan city, the third largest in the Roman Empire at the time, following only Rome and Alexandria, about 500,000 residents. It was significantly interlingual uh, and racial and ethnic uh, and, uh, and religious. And the church kind of got started there on the human side by mistake. Um, so people got persecuted and ended up getting scattered out to the north where it was safer in fear of their own lives for being Christ followers and ended up telling their Jesus story to some of their new friends in Antioch. And Antioch residents became believers and so there was this church. And when the church leaders heard about that back in Jerusalem, they thought they should check it out. And this is what you read in Acts chapter 11, verse 22. It says, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem. So they sent Barnabas up to Antioch and when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Now, Barnabas was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. We know now him, know him as Paul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, and for a whole year Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. But that wonderful revival was about to be interrupted. Acts 13.1 says, Now, the church at Antioch were the prophets. There were prophets and teachers. Five of them are going to be named. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucas of Cyrene, Manian, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work to which I've called them. And so after they'd fasted and prayed, they did what I would want to do. They complained and said, God, there are two best. Send two of the ones that aren't so good. No, no. After they fasted and played, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. But I throw in that little commentary paraphrase because isn't that human nature? Let me ask the question. How many of you have ever heard of Paul and Barnabas? Yeah, pretty famous guys. You read about them all through the New Testament. How many of you have ever read in other places other than this, uh, this story in the New Testament about how it turned out for Simeon called Niger, Lucas of Cyrene, and Manian? No mention. You think the best got sent? Well, in the Bible story of things, we sure know a lot about the two that got sent. Amazing, isn't it? But they didn't just go and have relationship ended. We wrap it up here in Acts 14, 26. After they went out and started churches in a large region, it says, they sailed back to Antioch, where they'd first been committed to the grace of God for the work that they had now completed. And on arriving there, they gathered the church together, and they reported all that God had done through them. And here's Jared's paraphrase. And so, each summer at Boomerang, Evergreen does the same thing. The strategy of Jesus and the early church was very simple and very clear. Identify, develop, send, and invite. Identify potential leaders, develop them in the context of service, 
send them away to where God is calling them to make a difference in his big world, and then invite them to stay in relationship and to come back and share the good things that God is doing. In fact, before I welcome our friends and guests today, I need to let you know where Anne is today. I've learned to do this publicly. What we have both noticed, Anne and me, is that when, she, when I am gone, you don't ask her where I am. But when Anne is not here, I frequently get asked where she is. So I'm just, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to interpret that. It means whatever it means. I'm a big boy. I've graduated from junior high some time ago now. I can handle that. But let me tell you where Anne is today. She's at Sweet Life Church in Walla Walla, Washington with Grant and Marta. They were here three weeks ago. They told the story. Many of you know. Uh, five years ago, they were both on staff here. The Lord called them to start a church in Walla Walla. We sent them uh, to do that, and they established a church. And today, the congregation they started is sending them off to Saskatchewan, Canada, where Grant will be on staff at a large church and will be overseeing four-square church planting efforts in that province. And represents us today by taking a check for $3,000, money that we collected and that you generously gave to help Grant and Marta with their relocation costs. And Anne will be one of the leaders who lays hands on Grant, uh, who lays hands on Jordan Green, also a former Evergreener, who will be placed today as the interim lead pastor of that congregation for the period of time until they're finding that permanent pastor. Evergreen, you are having a ripple effect. And this church always has. From its start 91 years ago, the founding pastor of this church was 20 years old. He left after a year. He was replaced by co-lead pastors, two single women who were 22. That 20-year-old did turn out fairly well, however. He and his wife went to Billings, Montana and started Faith Chapel, our sister church there, which is now the largest Protestant church in the entire state and went on to found Christ for the Nations Institute, an organization, training organization that has trained leaders from 130 nations around the world and has redeployed them back into their nation countries. This church has in its DNA the identification, the development, the sending, and the ongoing celebration of leaders. And today we get to hear from uh, three of our kids' pastors that have, uh, have gone from here because we don't... Uh, only uh, raise up uh, missionaries or church planters or lead pastors, but uh, those to serve in other leadership capacities as well. Uh, Sabrina Angley uh, came to Evergreen at the invitation of a high school friend. Uh, Sabrina, you were uh, 17, just turned 17, and uh, found Jesus and had an encounter about her future, and within about a year was invited by Kim to join the staff at Evergreen as an interim kids pastor. Uh, Sabrina, about a year and a half later, was here on the platform uh, when we sent out Kevin and Emily Hughes and their team to become lead pastors in Corvallis Foursquare Church, and Sabrina went as the kids' ministry leader. A few months later, a guy named Ryan came, very handsome, very smart, very capable, uh, as the uh, youth pastor there. And uh, he, wisely, he wisely saw Sabrina, and they got married. And uh, a couple of years later, they were recruited by uh, our sister church in the Clackamas area called Sunnyside Foursquare Church. And yesterday, Sabrina and Ryan celebrated their fifth anniversary of both being on staff there. And let's congratulate them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Ryan serves as the youth pastor, Sabrina as the kids uh, pastor, and the, the greatest thing that's happened in their life two years ago is Liam came into their life. So uh, next time we want to see Liam. Uh, Daniel and Tess uh, Dressler came to Evergreen uh, about 2010. Uh, we're encouraged to check us out when you move to the area. Uh, a friend had interned here earlier in, uh, in their life and said you should check out Evergreen. And, of course, Kim does what Kim does, and uh, probably within four or five seconds, uh, recruited them to join children's ministries, and that happened shortly after that, and there was a sense of calling on your lives. And uh, it was now two years ago that we sent Rick and Elizabeth Sawcheck and their kids uh, as senior pastors to Battleground, Washington, and it was about six months later, uh, January the 7th of last year, that uh, you and uh, your handsome sons, uh, Spencer and just a minute, because I'm going to get it, because I remember it's spent. Don't, don't tell me it's, oh, I'm going to have to look, darn it, I hate doing that. Oh, man. Jackson. It's like my second favorite name after Jared. <laughs> we prayed for you and commended you to the grace of God, using that uh, Bible phrase, in uh, going to Battleground to serve as the children's and as uh, youth pastors there. Well, we are so proud of you and uh, grateful that you would come back today. And what we'd like to do is I'm going to invite you to the platform. And uh, Kim, our world-class kids pastor, who is the exception to the rule, by the way, you can't go anywhere. You're like <laughs> here. Yeah, you're like here. Uh, is going to come and uh, interview these leaders. And uh, they're just gonna, you're going to be so delighted with their stories. And we've invited uh, these two uh, boys to come and join us as well because we have some fun gifts. Would you welcome them as they all come to the platform? All right, well, we have a couple fun things for the boys, and so let's see if we can find your things here, and then you get to go play in your classrooms, and this is for Liam, yes, and we have some gifts for you as well. Can we give it up for the kids? Because kids in ministry, they deserve extra rounds of applause. You guys get to go back to your class. Awesome. And we have some gifts also for you. Ryan and Sabrina, right here. And then over here, this one is Tess and Daniel. And this one I um, was cracking up because I'm like, what is that? It says basil on that. Um, a rabbit? Is that correct? Yes. yes. <laughs> Love it. Well, we're going to interview, so we can go ahead and take a seat here. Uh, if I could uh, to present uh, boomerangs, uh, all of our returning boomerangers get these handcrafted and functional, beautiful pieces of art. These are actually made in Latvia. And uh, a world craftsman there uh, makes these, and these are engraved. Sabrina, it says, Sabrina Engel, sent February 3rd, 2013. Welcome back to E, friends. And uh, I will let you have it after the service. <laughs> and the Dressler, sent January 7th, 2018. Welcome back to E, friends. Now, because you have boys in your homes who would like to make sure these are functional... And if you do want to keep them longer than one throw, we're also going to send home these boomerangs that can be thrown 
Because we want for your kids to know where these came from too, the place that they are always welcome back. Well, it's an honor and a privilege to be sitting here on the stage because uh, Evergreen values kids. And um, I remember when Ann first um, called and talked to me that they had taken here. And when I heard her and Jared's heart about the passion to be the best place in Hillsboro to raise your kids to find and follow Jesus, I said, I will check it out. And um, because we were so passionate, but how are we going to leave our home, our family, our jobs? And we came, and within one hour, my husband and I looked at each other, and we said, something's happening here. And we left it all, and we are so excited because what our passion is um, with children, we are watching it, the ripple effect, effect, as Jared said. So we have uh, three awesome leaders that we have sent out, and so we're going to be interviewing them today. Um, and so um, I would love to hear, first of all, just how did you get started in kids' ministry? Um, so... Like Jared said, I got here when I was 17. Um, I was kind of helping with the youth group with Kevin and Emily, and I remember walking through this room, and I heard the Lord say, you're going to be a kid's pastor. And I didn't work with kids because kids are sticky and they smell weird. Um, <laughs> it's <fun> true. <laughs> Always sticky with something. Um, and I thought, that can't be right. So I legitimately like, looked around this room, like looked for another person that this message was for because I was graciously going to give it to them. Um, <laughs> And I realized as the weeks went on, like, that that might be for me. So I took that to Emily Hughes, um, and she said, you have to meet Kim. So I had a meeting with Kim and started on an internship and just found the more I said yes to God, the crazier things got, but the more wonderful things got, too. Um, for me and Daniel, we've both worked in kids' ministry since we were kids, always working with, you know, the kids that were just below us in age. Um, but in college, we kind of decided ministry was not for us. We weren't going to do that. And when we moved to the Portland area, we came to Evergreen. And I remember praying to God like this, I just don't feel like we have a home anywhere. Where's our home? It doesn't feel like home. And I felt like God was speaking and telling me, if you want it to feel like home, you have to invest. You have to put yourself into it. It won't, it won't feel like home otherwise. And so it was about a week after that that we were walking through the back of the auditorium and Kim came up and found us and she said, we need you in kids ministry. And so I said, okay, and jumped in and Daniel came in a little while after that and um, we just realized that God had given us a passion for helping leaders and also for helping kids to know they have a place to belong. And we've just fallen in love with it ever since um, and just love seeing how God is working through that. What did being sent mean to you? Um, being sent for me meant I had somebody who believed in me um, when I was feeling alone. I wasn't alone. I had a backbone. I had a wall. I had support um, that somebody truly was going to be there no matter what was going on because ministry isn't always fun. Um, and there have been times that I've called Kim under my desk sucking my And thumb. I told her, you can never <laughs> quit on a month. <laughs> Doesn't happen. <laughs> Um, but it just means that there is somebody here that will always be here, whether I'm at Corvallis or Sunnyside, that there is somebody I can always call during the week um, or even on a Sunday, mm -hmm. and they will always be there for me. Uh, well, for us, uh, the process, at least of being sent, was a lot of what Sabrina said, knowing we had support and a, a big family here that, that loved us and was always praying for us. But for us, at least for me, the process 
uh, of us going to Battleground was a lot like, um, I'm going to be a real, a real nerd here just for a second, and uh, um, in the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, there's that scene where he leaps off the lion's head, right, in that leap of faith, and that to me was what it really felt like because we left our church family, we had to sell our house, I got another job, I mean, it was a total uproot leap of faith, not knowing if there was going to be somewhere to land on the other side of all this, and just through the grace of God, he was there with his hand every step away saying, no, here's where you step. Here's where you go. Here's what this is going to look like. It's been an adventure, a crazy one, but it's been for us a lot of big trust moments, leaps of faith. Going, is this going to work? Because if it doesn't, we're going to fall flat on our face and we're going to look ridiculous. Um, so that's kind of what it felt like for us. We, you know, have that support, but we also know that um, you know, it's been a big trust building exercise for us to know that God is, is actually behind all of this. Awesome. I have a, just had a memory, Sabrina, when um, you were working with me and you were right back there in the two and three year old classroom and you, one of your challenges was to take that on. And I remember walking in and the kids were going crazy and I said, I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to teach you how to command a room. And I remember we practiced it and there was a one little kiddo that really liked to push your buttons. Do you remember that? <laughs> and, and kept, kept coming up to you and and do you want to tell them about that? Because I want to hear one or two things that you learned here that you were able to take and implement into your kids' ministry. But that was one I remember thinking, she's going to be okay. She's got, she's got this. Patience. Um, <laughs> no, it's true. Like, at Evergreen, I mean, I've learned the foundations for everything. But now I get to be that person who walks in and says, let me show you how to do this. And it was actually really funny after kids' camp. Um, there was something going on where we had, you know, over 200 kids in a room with just a few adults. That sounds really bad. There was a cabin leader meeting. We were doing a dance party with them. It was super fun. But the kids were getting a little out of control, and um, somebody was up on the stage trying to get them back, and they couldn't do it, and they said, let me show you how. And so it's those little things, those little things that you don't realize um, you're capable of doing that somebody shows you, and you're like, oh, oh, I can do that. I can command a room. I can have hard conversations when it's time to have a hard conversation. And it's, if I ever need coaching about it, I know where to turn to. Um, yeah. Um, I would say probably the biggest thing that I learned working here is that relationship is the most important part of what we do. And I was just thinking that, you know, sometimes we have a small ministry right now, and you know when it's a smaller group of kids, the one who's not doing well can derail the whole group compared to a large group of kids. And so um, it's helpful to me to remember that when the program isn't always going the way that I would hope that it would, that relationship is the most important part and kind of shifts my perspective instead of that perfection piece to remember the people piece. And that is a huge thing that I learned here working at Evergreen and leading and getting to see the people that lead here. Awesome. I want to hear from Daniel on that. Oh, yeah. Um, I think the one thing that jumped to my mind just now was, it's one of your favorite phrases, Kim, and it's what we tell all the leaders when they come into these rooms, is leave your dignity at the door. Yeah. And just don't Sorry. be afraid. I mean, it's not as bad as it sounds. It's just don't be afraid to jump in and do things that you look at like, why would I do that? You know, I remember just a couple weeks ago, uh, I, when Tess was in Guatemala on our mission trip, I had the whole class, and we played a game, and we're talking about uh, teamwork, uh, being like, working the fruits of the spirit, and we had this game called Banana Split, and the idea was we have to peel bananas 
with our bare feet. Now, I don't know, that's a little bit gross. Some of the kids didn't want to do it, and they didn't want to do it until, until I said, okay, I'll do it with you. And they said, okay, let's do it. And it was gross, and it was slimy, and it's probably going to make a comeback at Battleground because it was such a fun game. But it's just the idea that you can't be bigger than, better than what you're teaching. You have to be able to jump in there and say, no, let's do it. It's going to be weird and sticky and awkward and gross, but it's going to be fun too. And let's do it. And that's what gets the kids to involve. And that's what gets people to look and go, oh, there's a ministry that's making a difference because the leaders are doing exactly what the kids are doing and the kids are jumping in with it as well. So. I remember hearing one time, name three Bible stories that changed your world, but now name three people. And it's in moments like that that we find in kids' ministry when we're laughing till we can't breathe anymore that a kid looks up and says, my parents are getting divorced. My dog died. My grandma's sick. It's in those moments that the ministry happens. So I want to hear one thing that, um, that is a growth point or a challenge, and then one thing that's going well for you. One thing that you feel like, man, we're, we've got this, it's going well. Um, I always like to tell God what's up. Like, this is how it's going to be. And so... <laughs> How's that working for you, Sabrina? So good. You want to hear about it? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, um, so I've been... I always tell him, like, Lord, I can't do anymore. I, I, my plate is too full. I can't. And then he adds another thing on top of that. What are you That's how it's going for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so um, we've hit a growth point in our church where we have so many kids and so many students that we have run out of places for them. Um, so one of our classrooms that should fit about 12 kids had about 25 in there on a Sunday, and that was becoming the norm. And we have teachers who are, like, going to throw in the towel because they're managing a classroom, not loving kids. Like, their whole role has changed. Um, so we opened a new classroom this summer, and that is a leap of faith for me because it's something I've been putting off for five years. Um, and it's a financial piece, you have to buy thousands of dollars worth of supplies and stuff, because we had to build an entire new room for this. Um, and then I also had to find at least eight new people that would be there on a Sunday loving these kids, um, when I already had more than that many holes in my schedule to begin with. Um, so it was a huge leap of faith. It stretched me, and it the brilliant kids pastor that I am decided to do it the week before camp we opened to this classroom. That's not good. No. <laughs> Just so y'all brilliant know. Was sarcastic. <laughs> and you will never do that again. I will never do that again. <laughs> I looked around and I was like, who's the kids pastor around here? Um, <laughs> but truly, like, it was the most stretching thing. And now I'm coming out on the other side of it where I'm seeing, like, our teachers are happier. Our kids are in a manageable classroom. Like, they're getting to connect and have fun at an age-appropriate level because they're with kids their own age, and there's a, a decent number of them. And we're also giving our students the opportunity um, to be small group leaders for our first and second graders. So we get to watch them go, I'm having so much fun doing this. They get to be the small group leaders that normally our youth team is to them. Now they get to pass that down to somebody else. It's just really cool to come out on the other side and say, oh, God, I guess I can do that. <laughs> I would say for us right now, a growth point is our, like, setup, teardown, and our team. So we meet in a middle school, and we set up and tear down every week. And that alone is tiring. But um, when you're a doer, like I am, I, I, it's more tiring. And so I feel like God is stretching me to change my perspective about asking people to help. And because I often feel like... 
Um, even in my personal life too, when I ask someone to help that I'm asking them for a favor or, you know, like I will be indebted to them. And God is changing my perspective to know that when I ask someone to help, I'm giving them an opportunity to serve the way that Jesus asks us to. And an opportunity for their lives to be changed too, just the way that mine was stepping into ministry. So. What? Oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm. Perfect. We're good. Liar! Yeah, right? I have reached the top. No, no. Um, I think for, for me, the where I'm, God's challenging me to grow the most is we have several uh, young uh, guys in our class. They're in fourth grade, I think. Fourth, fifth grade. And they are very much into the I don't want to be here attitude. And it's... Um, it's a struggle because everything I say, everything we try to do, they're trying to find a way not to participate and sit in the back of the class and sit over here and distract other kids. And it's for me, it's, it's a struggle because it's like, just get in line and have fun. Gosh darn it. You will have fun if you just participate. But it's changing my mind that these are the kids in my perspective on these kids. That these are the ones that need me to be there the most, that need me to connect with them however I can. And I've actually, it's been um, this whole last year and a half or so has been watching one of these guys, um, a little guy named Carson, and he connected, he was that same way, but worse, he's still that way now, but now he's to the point where he's telling me things about his life, about his dogs that are sick, about the things that he's doing, the things that he likes, and I'm able to connect and form a relationship to the point where I can tell him now, Carson, you're a leader of some of these other kids, these first graders are watching you, and then he, you can see it click, and he has that potential, and he, he decides he wants to be a part of some of these things, so it's just been a, a big perspective shift on some of these kids that you would, you know, you might label as, as issue kids or, or, you know, kids that might derail your classroom, but they're really the ones that need me the most to be there consistently and to be there with, with love and grace and mercy and not uh, my normal reactions, which are not those things. <laughs> well, last question, how can we pray for you as a church, as a community to support you in this next season? Um, I would say... For us, it would be for just like boundaries are one thing that, I, that comes to mind. You know, we had a crazy um, busy month in July. We had camps and, you know, fundraising and um, Guatemala trip. And so I just want to make sure that our, um, that our family knows that they are come first and that they're important as well. And instead of letting them kind of, you know, be... Um, put on the back burner. So I would say for wisdom, when to say yes to things, when to say no, and to be able to do my best where I'm at when I'm there. I think really similarly, like both Ryan and I are full-time pastors and ministry is hard and it can easily take up all of your time if you let it. Um, and so can toddlers. Toddlers have the amazing ability to do that too. So finding that sweet balance between work and life giving all that we can to our families and our kids and our students while not forgetting our own mm -hmm. kid and family. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the biggest thing for us. Awesome. We lead first for sure. Uh, all right. uh, stay here, but would you join me in saying thanks to our friends? <laughs> Thank you. Kim, I'm going to ask you to lead us in prayer uh, <clears throat> for our friends. Um, and uh, first, I'd like to mention something else that I think everyone will be thrilled to hear about that I'd like for you to include in the prayer. 
we have really felt uh, that God has called us to take our care and support and relationship and training and mentoring and coaching that we've been able to provide in the evergreen tree and, uh, and provide that for others that we may not have that kind of relationship with. Uh, being a kids pastor and being a youth pastor can be a very lonely place um, because uh, sometimes it's easy to be uh, asked either as a volunteer or as a paid person to come and take this area of responsibility. And it's kind of a huge relief for, for the other pastors and who kind of forget about it and just do your best and you're on your own. And, uh, and, and we, want, we want to be a, a support to many. And so this fall, Evergreen is sponsoring uh, an event called MORE. And it is for youth pastors. It's over three days. It's going to be hosted at McClay Conference Center in Salem. Um, and uh, Kim, you and your team are going to provide three days, along with guest speakers, of a phenomenal environment of encouragement and support and of training and of networking. And we have priced that in a way so that the participants pay their own way. We didn't feel that that was a, a financial uh, contribution that Evergreen should make. But as we are inviting youth pastors to come from several, uh, pastors to come from several states across the Northwest, what we would like to do as a special gift from Evergreen, and we're going to receive some some uh, special offerings next month uh, to do this, is to give each of those kids pastors uh, a gift packet when they come, and uh, a packet that says you're welcome uh, here, and we host you, and we see you, and we recognize you. It'll be a small part in the grand budget, but we wanted to participate not only with our leaders who are, are planning and hosting and facilitating, but also giving uh, we as a congregation an opportunity both to give and to pray as well. Would you lead us, Kim? Absolutely. Lord, we thank you that we get to be part of ministry to kids, and uh, what an honor and a privilege it is to help um, kids find and follow you for the rest of their lives. And today, we have uh, three friends up here who have said that that big yes to serving you with their with their lives to help kids. And so, Jesus, I just pray that you would give them big dreams, Lord, that you would give them resources and encouragement and empowerment to lead beyond their capacity, to lead beyond anything they ever imagined. And, uh, Lord, in those areas that they can feel discouraged or learning to have boundaries in, Lord, would you just speak life and truth into those areas? Let their yes be yes and their no be no, that they will be able to lead in a strength and a wisdom, not only children, but more leaders. And uh, Jesus, I just pray for this conference. We have leaders across uh, all of Oregon and Washington and beyond, Lord. Uh, just makes me think of the, the pastor from Montana who said, my, my children's leader needs to be there. They need to be part of a bigger community. Jesus, I pray first that lead pastors would see the value in children, that they would say, yes, we value. We not only say it with our words, but our actions, and that they would begin to resource and encourage, Lord, and send their kids pastors uh, to this more conference where they uh, can come and get connected and be empowered, Lord, so that we can reach more. And Lord, that they can r reach out to you, Lord, to have more of all that you have. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit that will last, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Lord, we are asking big prayers. We are asking 
for more than enough children's leaders to reach the church plants that are going out, to reach areas of need. But Lord, we just know this all starts with you. So we just thank you for this opportunity and we ask for more in your name. Amen. Amen. Again, our thanks to Sabrina and Tess and Daniel. Thank you. It costs to be generous. It hurts to say goodbye to good friends. Good leaders leave big holes behind them when they go. And those holes don't always fill in immediately and perfectly and well. It's expensive to be a giving and ascending place. But it is such a great calling, isn't it? And the evergreen assignment is in part, as we help people here and near and far find and follow Jesus, we are also called to help leaders here, near and far find and follow how to lead with Jesus better and better. But you know, this talk today really wasn't about people in positional pastoral roles as much as it was about your life and my life. It's how God calls each of us to serve in a special way. Some of you are called to go, and when you discover that and you leave, it will be with our sadness and with our blessing. Many of you are called to stay, but this is what's true about every person in this room. You are called to serve. I want to conclude by reading a paragraph from the manuscript of a presentation made yesterday by one of the Evergreen guys as, uh, on his last day of his MBA program was asked to give a TED Talk kind of speech about one of the most significant things in his life during the two years of that program. And this husband, this dad, this evergreen volunteer said to his colleagues this in part, I acknowledge that this arena of leadership does not have the prestige and scope of what we typically consider successful and impactful in the business world. He was referring to his volunteering the last three years in Surge, our first through fourth graders. However, each of us can look back to a trusted friend, mentor, or teacher who was there. They gave up their time, talent, and comfort to make an impact in someone else's life. And they were not afraid of being awkward and ill-equipped for the task. They had kids of their own who drained their time and energy but they remained consistent, encouraging, and engaged with the next generation. Evergreen, let's continue on the path that God has for us. Let's be an Antioch church where everyone serves, everyone grows, some stay and some leave, but we all advance God's kingdom together as his spirit leads us in ways that call us to sacrificially serve. It is a great calling. For 91 years, this church has seen amazing world-impacting influence. And we today, in this generation, at this point in time, are the ones who are the legacy bearers to continue the torch and see the fresh new things that God is doing in our lives and in this generation of this church. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. Amen.